How's everybody doing? Good, everybody's good. I'm back. If you... Oh, I, was, I wasn't doing it for that reason. Thank you, thank you. No, but I'm, I miss you guys. If you weren't here last week, you didn't miss me. I didn't miss you. We're good. Um, no, but I miss you. I miss you guys. Seriously, I, I've been, you know, um, I, I was uh, thinking about the sermon and I, my, my wife and I went, went on vacation to, to Mexico. Uh, her little brother got married and... Um, and I got a virus in my stomach, so um, I ended up going to the hospital in Mexico. So that was a scary situation, but I'll, I'll have to tell you guys all about it another day. It was good. It was good. I was out of the hospital in three, three hours. It was, it was okay. It was good. It was just a scary situation. When somebody told me and looked at me and said, we're going to the hospital in Mexico, I said, oh, no, you know? Um, <laughs> And as every man is, I'm afraid of needles, right? So when the guy says, we got to put an IV on you, I freaked out. I said, is there any other way we could do this? Let me die here. I don't want to need So anyways, my name is Moises. I'm the pastor here. If we haven't met, I would love to meet you on the way out. Uh, we, we, we like to have a good time here. Uh, I'm not a very serious guy. I am serious about scripture, but, you know, I like to laugh and, and, and have fun. And so today we're going to finalize this kind of short sermon series on the book of Judges and um, we, we called it Promises Broken as we, we see the people of Israel again, once again, sin against God. Judgment came. They, so, they sort of become enslaved because of their actions. Then they cry out to God and repent. And then a judge is sent from God to deliver them from their current situation. And I think that sounds so familiar to what we do with our lives, right? We sin against God. We, we, we end up crying out to God when circumstances don't work out great, then God comes in, helps us, bless us, and sadly, we go back and do it again. You know, I was talking to somebody earlier. I said, how are you doing? She, you know, she tells me, I'm trying. And I said, listen, isn't that the case for all of us? We're all just trying individuals, <laughs> just trying to, to, to be better with our relationship with God. There are 13 judges found in the book of Judges. You, 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 I've said this before. Styles said it last week. And uh, with amazing stories, the reason why I say is a short sermon series is because we could spend months in on going through all the judges that are listed and all the acts that took place and how God activated these judges to rescue Israel from their position every time they would sin against God. So um, our stories are extremely relatable, you know, um, even in our lives today. It's not just because this is the Old Testament, we like to say that it's not it's this history thing. Well, it's super relatable when we see what they experienced, how they treated their relationship with God, and how they went about that. Um, because like I said, we, we have chosen to receive the gift of salvation, a lot of us. And in that mercy and grace that God continues to extend, we constantly push the boundaries of sin, causing us to compromise in that relationship with God. That's not you guys, though, right? That's just me. Um, so like, like the people of Israel, then we pray to God and ask him and, and that same grace covers us and, 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 and comes again and, and covers us. So 
um, we have this repetitive cycle that I like to talk about, and that's why we have been able to relate so much with the, with the book of Exodus and the book of Judges and seeing what the Israelites do through their relationship with God as he tries to rescue them time in and time out. It's, it's funny because we like to judge their situation. We read their stories and we say, come on, man, he just, he just, he, he made you cross on dry ground and man, he, he saved you from the plagues. And, and we get really judgmental as people, but we don't realize that we've done exactly the same thing with Jesus in our salvation. You know, um, I, I do believe that these judges you may say they, they, they didn't look like judges, okay? They, they didn't have a, a, a gown and a gavel, okay? These guys were just people that God raised up. Actually, the word in Hebrew says it stands for deliverer, okay? People that just stepped in. They were perfect, and they weren't perfect people. They weren't perfect individuals. Usually, the stories of great faith are invariable stories of great grace, Every time God uses someone, most likely that person has been through a process of some sort with God. In this life, you could be despaired and in much need of much light, and God finds a way to start something and do something unique in your life and rescue you. What I love about my Christian faith is that it's never been about starting. It's always been about finishing. How we start doesn't really get any You've ever heard, heard it said before that it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. It's all based on endurance and how we go about it. I've told you before, Mark Dumas says when he was asked, how do you finish well? He says, you do well until you finish. You know, it, 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 this morning we're going to be talking about finishing strong. Guys, I haven't, I haven't preached in two weeks, so I got like eight pages, okay? I'm, I'm, like, I'm, I'm like bursting here. So hang in there with me. But you know I talk fast. You know I talk fast. So I don't, don't feel like, oh, what have we done? I got to go. You know, I talk really fast. You can't leave now. Guys, close the doors. They can't leave. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You can leave if you want, but you're not going to want to leave. So no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. All right. All right. All right. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. So my goal this morning is not to ignore our current condition as sinful individuals. You know, sorry to call you that. But instead, it is to focus on pointing us in the right direction of where we need to go with our relationship with God. Following one principle, Jesus never lowered his standards, but he met people and always started where they were. All right? One of the most iconic judges in the book of Judges is Samson. Styles did a whole introduction last week of his overall life in a summary he is the only judge listed in the book of Judges that has supernatural powers. He is the Old Testament version of Hulk. All right? I know Styles will say that a lot more eloquently, right? But, you know, Samson had supernatural strength from a very young age. He had been set apart in unique ways by God from his birth. In other words, God shows up, tells his parents, hey, you're, you're having, that, that we're having trouble getting pregnant. He tells them, an angel shows up and says, you are going to have a baby boy. This baby boy is going to be different than all the baby boys. There's three things that he must not do, okay? It's this thing called this Nazaritic vow 
is basically God saying, this child who is special, unlike others, so I have some special things I want him to stay away from and not do, okay? And these three things were simple. You can't cut your hair, which he had dreadlocks or something like that, I think. You can't drink alcohol. No margaritas, no Coronas for Samson. Stay away from all that, all right? And you can't touch dead people. He was set apart. He was special. These things I don't want you to do, God said. And we'll be picking up right on chapter 16. We're going to read the whole chapter 16 of the book of Exodus this morning. And, and talking about that fifth event that Styles talked about last week as he wrapped things up, um, that, 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 that just focuses on that last instance where he meets this girl. The story of Samson is a tragic story and how it ends, but we can learn so much for it because the way we look at his story, as we talk about finishing strong, he is one of the characters in Scripture who finished the strongest out of a lot of people in Scripture. The things that he said to God in his final moments and the prayer that he does to God, it's just such an amazing story. And you're like, yeah, Moises, we've been hearing it since we were like this big. We're going to teach Samson in a grown-up way today, all right? We're going to go to Judges chapter 16. We're going to start in verse 4. You have your Bibles? If not, I got a ton of text on the screen. You'll be able to read it on the screen. Um, it says, chapter, verse 4 to verse 5, it says, Sometime later, Samson fell in love with a woman named Delilah, who lived in the valley of Sorek. They, the, the rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, Entice Samson to tell you what makes him so strong and how, we can, and how he can be overpowered and tied up securely. Then each of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. Basically, 1,100 pieces of silver was equivalent to 15 to $20 million. Man. Rosie would have left me in a heartbeat. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> that is a lot of money. Uh, this, it's sad. <laughs> it, it's sad, but this makes, you know, this makes Delilah the definition of a, of a gold digger, in a sense. Or, or maybe like a silver digger, right? So, um, you know, I, I praise God that I met my wife and she was making more money than me, right? Because when I met her. But 10, 15 to $20 million is a lot of money, right? But no way, no way can we justify what she did in this story. But, um, and let's keep reading. Let's keep reading before I get in trouble. Um, verse 6, let's see, to verse 15. Here we go. So Delilah said to Samson, please tell me what makes you so strong and what, what it would take to tie you up securely. Samson replied, if I were tied up with seven new bowstrings that have not been yet, that, that have not yet been dried, I would become as weak as anyone else. So the Philistines rulers brought Delilah seven new bowstrings and she tied Samson up with them. She had hidden some, of, some men in one of the inner rooms in her house and she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. But Samson snapped the bowstrings as a piece of string snaps when it burns by fire. So the secret of his strength was not discovered. Afterwards, Delilah said to him, you've been making fun of me 
and telling me lies. Now, please tell me how you can be tied up securely. Samson replied, if, you, if, you were, if I were to be tied up with brand new ropes that have never been used, I would become as weak as anyone else. So Delilah took new ropes and tied him up and tie him up with them. The men were hiding in the inner room again as before, and again Delilah cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. But again, Samson snapped the ropes for his arms, from his arms and if, if, as, as if they were thread. Man, wouldn't you be worried at this point? Girl keeps telling you, she keeps wanting to tie you up to lose strength, and you keep waking up, there's Philistines there. I, I mean, you would think Samson would have picked up by now. I think he knew. I just didn't think he was so bold in knowing his strength that he didn't care, that he was in a bad situation. Then Delilah said, you've, making, you've been making fun of me um, and telling me lies. Now tell me, how can, I be tied up, how can you be tied up securely? Samson replied, if you were to weave the seven braids of my hair into the fabric of your loom and tighten it with the loom shuttle, I would become as weak as everyone else. So while he slept, another thing to highlight is he takes a lot of naps here. This guy keeps sleeping. He keeps sleeping. He, I think he's got sleep apnea. He needs a CPAP. Delilah wove the seven braids of his hair into the fabric. Then she tightened it with the loom shuttle. Again, she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. But Samson woke up, pulled back the, the, the loom shuttle and yanked his hair away from the loom and the fabric. Then Delilah pouted. How can you tell me I love you when you don't share your secrets with me? Pause there for a second. All right. You made fun of me three times now, and you still haven't told me what makes you so strong. She tormented him with her nagging, Day after day until he was sick to death of it. <laughs> Amazing, isn't it? <laughs> you know, it is amazing to me how he goes through the situation time in and time out with this lady that he fell in love with, knowing that her intentions were wrong from the get-go. Any sound person in the room would have woken up the first time and said, you're trying to set me up. I'm out of this. And what's funny about the situation is we know all the level. A lot of us, if we've been in the Christian faith for a while, a lot of us understand the level of what sin can do in our lives. But we sleep with it yet time and time again. Again. We are extremely judgmental of a text like the one we just read. How can somebody be such a fool to allow a woman to do this to him three times? And yet again, we do the same thing with sin. It kind of leads me to my first point, is that we must understand what we're fighting here. So point number one, the enemy's plan. All right? Exit signs are important. I was a young guy working for my dad. I was 16 years old, okay? Just, uh, was I 16? No, I couldn't have been 16 because I didn't get my driver's license until I was 18. And we were driving back from Florida. And I was working for my dad's company, and, and 
And I never been, I, I never take naps. I can't relate to Samson here. I, I never, I started to. I'm getting older. I'm starting to catch that drift. I like it. But um, the, the, I'm in the car. My dad and my brother are exhausted. Eddie can sleep through anything. So um, I'm, I'm in the car and we're driving back from Florida. We were doing inventories and we were helping the office down in Florida. We're bright, driving back to North Carolina. I still don't remember the name of the road, and that might have been the problem in the first place. So I look at my dad and I say, Dad, you're falling asleep. Eddie, you're falling asleep. Let me drive. You guys can sleep. I'm not going to sleep. I'm just going to sit here. So my dad is like, oh, man, I'll take it, you know? And I just drive, you know? And somehow, I, I guess it's 95, right? 95 is where we're coming up, and I drifted away somewhere. I4, look, Eddie remembers like it's today, okay? So, and he's like, I4, Moises, I remember. So, I missed the exit, or, or took an exit, I guess, and literally took a four-hour detour, and my dad was so upset at me. I'm just driving along, following traffic, like, this is nice, you know? And, and my dad wakes up, and I had just taken us on a four-hour detour. He was so upset at me. Eddie was upset at me. And I'm like, but you had a four-hour nap, man. <laughs> yeah. You know, but it is important for us not to miss the signs because it causes us to miss the exits. And that could have horrible consequences in our lives. We try to play the ignorant role in a lot of ways. And there is signs after signs after signs in our lives that we ignore. And when we ignore the signs, we miss the exits. And if we miss the exits, we take long detours in life that God never intended for us to have. Samson had an agreement with God from birth. He knew what the signs were. If we miss the signs, the enemy will find ways in our lives to draw us out and wear us down. We see Delilah literally saying anything she could say to Samson to get him to give in. You don't love me. You, you made a fool of me. You don't care about me. There's so much here today that compromises the clarity of what we believe and what we have strong beliefs about in our lives. We hear it. It's noisy around us. With everything that goes on around our world, we're constantly being bombarded. And the sad part is that as believers, we are making room for it. When we make room for the voice of the enemy, it won't be long before we give in to the temptation of the enemy. Samson got here one step at a time. Think about it. You heard it last week, the different ways that it, all along his story, he rejected the vow of God. He touched dead bodies. He's throwing parties with alcohol, with friends. He goes and kills 30 men. He touches another dead body again. He sleeps with a prostitute earlier in the chapter. One decision after the next, after the next, Samson was not in a good place. He ignored the signs, missed exits. The crazy thing is that we have to understand the enemy needs room and he is looking for it in our lives. It is up to us to hand it over to him. I'm one of those believers that I ignore the enemy. 
I turn away from him, I pay him no attention. I was in Bible college uh, years ago. <laughs> years ago. Okay? I was living by myself in an apartment in Charlotte. I had a dog named Tony. It was Tony the first. Because then I had a Sony the second. You heard the story. And I, I it's my story. It's my objective story, okay? You, you, you know, I had, an, I had a spiritual encounter. I, I believe wholeheartedly it was a spiritual encounter with the enemy. I was asleep. A loud noise woke me up like something yelled at me. My dog was laying on the floor crying, all right? Sleeping like he was having a bite nightmare. And all the lights in my apartment start coming on. Kid you not. I was there. Nobody else was there, but I, I was there. All the lights start coming on. I was really into the movie Troy, right? So I had a surround system, you know, back in the day before bars, and I had a surround system in my apartment. The movie Troy comes on, full volume, blasting. I, the plates in the kitchen are moving. I got really scared. I felt it. This is like, I'm in Bible college. I'm being trained for this moment. What do I do? It's time to fight. You know, I'm like in the mirror. No, I'm the, <laughs> I say, this is scary stuff. I'm by myself. There's no dad in the room. My, my dad was always a pastor. So anything, something like that would happen. I'll be like, dad, pray. You know, I was by myself. And then it hit me. You don't have to do anything. This battle's already been fought. Ignore it. I literally got up and I said, enemy, not tonight. This is not happening. I'm going to turn off everything. And I'm literally walking in my apartment, turning off all the lights. I turn off the surround system. I turn off the kitchen light. I read a verse, say a prayer, go to sleep and slept like a baby. I know, that was so anticlimactic, right? You were expecting me to say, and he grabbed me and threw me, and I threw him back. No. <laughs> no. It was that simple. Because he is looking for room, but we don't give it. We don't give it. Joseph ran from temptation. Jesus would silence the demons when, he would, when they would try to speak. The persistent voice of the enemy is only there when it's allowed to be there. Walk away. Samson was worn down because he stayed in the room, because he stayed in the situation, because he allowed the circumstances to rule over what he was doing. We can't play the game. We can't stay in it. The devil does not have to destroy us if he can find a way to distract us. He said, Moises, but I'll never be able to walk away from my sin. I'll never be able to correct my life. You won't know until you try. The devil wants you to think that you are what you did. But we have to understand that God is who says who we are. Our fight with the devil is first and foremost a fight to take back control of our minds from captivity that lies and, and liberate ourselves with the weapon of truth that only God can offer. You're like, yeah, you're right, Moises. The devil can't touch me. That's right. And while that's true, the devil cannot defeat you, but you can't hand him the victory by giving him room, by allowing him to be part. The sad truth of this whole scenario is we like to blame the devil, but it's us. We're the ones opening the door. 
We're the ones allowing the room. We are sinful people. Slavery to our flesh is dangerous, even more dangerous than the devil himself. Because the truth is that if the devil died today, we will sin again tomorrow. That's a hard truth to swallow. So the devil could only tempt you, trick you, but not control you. So don't allow him to do it. That's the plan. That's all he's doing is one inch at a time, gaining ground, and we make room for it. You know, it, it, it sounds aggressive. It's, it's tough because nowadays taking this kind of aggressive stance on like things that you're firm about to not allow the enemy in a room can seem a little radical. I mean, I, as a pastor, walk in the room sometimes and, and you're like, you, you're, anything you say is labeled one side or the other. Do we agree? I got, I got pastors, friends of mine that are literally, uh, they're independent with their voting because they don't want to be put on one side or the other. I think it's brilliant. It doesn't compromise you as a pastor because you're either all this or all that. There is no in between when it comes to this stuff. I don't know if you're like me, but have you ever walked into a room and you sit there silently waiting to get the people to see what the feeling is in the room before you actually start talking? It's crazy. It, it is insane that one word, one statement, one comment can end up flipping you over to this completely different criteria that may not have anything to do with you. That is not boldness, that is compromise. I'm sorry, I'm just really excited. We have to know who we are. You have to know who you are. We are fighting principalities. It is never the person in front of you. Our fight is not against flesh and blood. It's, it's bigger than that. It's up here. You, we have to rise up and, and fight up here and understand who we're fighting. So you have to know the enemy that you're fighting. But in order for you to know that, you have to know who you are. So my second point is personal perception. Judges chapter 16, verse 17 to 21 says, Finally, Samson shared his secrets with her. My hair has never been cut, he confessed, for I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. In my head, were if my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as anyone else. Delilah had realized she... Delilah realized he had finally told her the truth, so she sent for the Philistine rulers and said, come back one more time. Apparently, she was losing credibility. She said, for, the final, for he has finally told me his secret, so the Philistine rulers returned with the money on their hands. Delilah looted Samson to sleep on her lap, and she called in a man to shave off the head and the locks of his hair. In this way, she began to bring him down in his strength. And his strength left him. Then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. When he woke up, he thought, I would do the same as before and shake myself free. But he didn't realize the Lord had, had left him. So the Philistines capture him and gouge out his eyes. They took him to Gaza, where he was bound with bronze chains and forced to grind grain in the prison. He was spiritually unaware 
one of the saddest realities of the story is that he didn't even realize God had left. He thought, I'll just do the same thing I've done before, shake this off, and do what I've always done. God will forgive me again. His mercy and grace will extend again. It's a scary place to be, to get to the point in our lives where God just leaves us. The most difficult part of hell is not how hot it is and the eternal torment of it. The most difficult part of hell is the eternal separation from God that you will experience. The loss of access to the Savior, to the saving power of God, His mercy and His grace. We like to paint hell as this place where it's hot. It's tormenting. They're going to make fun of me. No. You will be separated from God for eternity. That's a scary place to be. The scripture says he didn't realize because, friends, if the devil can, can't make you sin, he will make you busy. I'm going to say that again. If the devil can't make you sin, he will make you busy. Think of the, what the Philistines had done to Samson here. They gouge out his eyes. It's a sign of removing his vision, his strength, his time, his focus. All these things were equivalent to him being so busy that he did not have time for God in his life. Hmm. We compare this and our lives tend to revolve around constant senseless activity. The solution to an over busy life is not more time. It's not 28 hours in the day. It's to slow down and simplify our lives around what really matters. Our personal perception matters and busy or busyness is not who you are. Nine out of 10 people I meet today, the first thing they lead with is I've been busy. Whew. Been busy at work. How's it going? Oh, you know, busy. Busy, busy, busy. Have time for nothing. You know, burnout isn't a place to visit or come back from. It's a, it's a permanent residence. It's a place where we remain. Everything today is fast, 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 fast. I, I, I learned this a little bit ago that what I've realized is every time I'm running somewhere, I'm running to become somebody I don't want to be. Every time I'm rushing to do something, is usually to become somebody I don't want to be. Gandhi said, there, there's more to life than this increase in speed. As a Christian, if, if we say that we follow an unrushed Jesus, then we should be living unrushed lives. Have you, have you seen a scripture where Jesus ran anywhere? No. And he walked. People are dying. And he walked. <laughs> the Bible said he, he loved Lazarus so much that he chose to wait two more days. What? He's dying. Yeah, we'll just wait. I love him. We achieve inner peace when our schedule aligns with our values. You have to quiet the noise. It's got to get quiet. 
Busy is not who we are. Maybe busy is where your comfort lies. We've gotten addicted to being busy, right? I'm the schedule filler. Rosie knows. She's like, you're doing it again. I'm like, I don't have anything today. I should pressure wash the house. She's like, dude. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Filling the schedule. We just find ways. Because for some of us, not being busy is scary. It lacks purpose. It's a personal perception thing. We don't know who we are. Because it gets too quiet all of a sudden. And sadly, some of us are most afraid of the silence because if it's too quiet around us, we have to deal with who we are, truly. See, because when the noise disappears, the only person left there is you. And we don't want to deal with that person. That's a lot of baggage we don't want to walk into. If I just stay busy, I don't have to deal with it. I'm just busy, God. I work too much. I don't have time. I don't have time. And we tell ourselves constantly, this is who I am. I'm busy. This is who I am. This is who I am. God is more pleased with the quiet attention of a sincere servant than the noisy service of a sour one. He doesn't need the version of busy you. <laughs> he knows who you are. He knows your quiet version. When the noise calms down, he knows exactly who you are. It's not like God is like, oh my gosh, I didn't see that. I never saw that side of you. Don't let any misperception of who you are guide you into your next move as an individual. The devil knows your name, but what does he do? He calls you by your sin. See, God knows your sin, but he calls you by your name. Because he knows who you are. He's not trying to deceive you. He's trying to put you in prime position to be purposeful and accomplish the things that he wants for your life. One of the, I love this verse in verse 22 because it's a reminder. Lord, I've messed up. Lord, it's been bad. Lord, I've done wrong. But then verse 22, it says, but before long, his hair began to grow back. There is hope. Oh, man, I'm sorry. Just this, this hits home for me. Our, our third and final point, I got to go. Sorry. Is uh, the faithfulness of God. And then let's read real quick. The Philistines' rulers held a great festival, offering sacrifice and praising their God, Dagon. They said, our God has given us victory over our enemy, Samson. When the people saw him, they praised their God, saying, our God has delivered our enemy to us. The one who killed so many of us and is now in our power. 
half drunk by now, the people demanded, bring out Samson so he could amuse us. So he was brought from the prison to amuse them. And they had him stand between the pillars supporting the roof. Samson said to the young servant who led him by the hand, place my hands against the pillar that hold up the temple. I want to rest again against them. Now the temple was completely filled with people. All the Philistine rulers were there. There were about 3,000 men and women on the roof who were watching as Samson amused them. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me again. Oh God. Give me a tissue. Thank you. My wife always coming through. I always tell people I'm just the face of the franchise. She's like the back office. Not, nothing works without her. He said, I, I, uh, you know, he says, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Oh God, oh God, please strengthen me. Just one more time. With one blow, let me pay back the Philistines for the loss of my two eyes. Then Samson put his hands on the two center pillars that held up the temple, pushing against them with both hands. He prayed, let me die with the Philistines. And the temple crashed down on the Philistines, rulers, and the people. So he killed more people when he died than he had during his entire lifetime. Wow. You know, I say, it, I, I say the third point is the sovereignty of God because Samson says, remember me, Lord, one last time. You know? And I think if anybody needed to know that more than anybody was him. It's really nice that he... He decided in all his sin and all his trouble and all his difficulties to say, God, please remember me. God said that, you know, the Bible says that God had left him, but I don't think God forgot about Samson. The word remember is found in scripture multiple times. God uses his word frequently because he knows our hearts and our heads are prone to forget that we all struggle with that thing called spiritual amnesia. God reminded Israel, saying, remember that you were enslaved in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand. David said in Psalms 13:6, I will sing to the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. He found strength for the present by drawing it from the wells of his past. We all have a past, good or bad, we can't avoid certain things that took place, but one thing we could all acknowledge today is that God has been with us from the beginning. Psalm 77, David said, I will remember the deeds of my Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. When we struggle with our present, we need to remember our past and how God dealt with those encounters. You have to believe and we must tell ourselves, God has been faithful to me from the beginning. That is an objective truth. It doesn't change according to how your life has been. It is truth that will set you free. 
we must mentally rewind to those faith encounters and remember that the most, that there is more to this relationship with God than what we want. When I have trouble, I remember the night that he called me into ministry. I remember when he provided employment for my wife and I, when we needed it and we were just recently married and I got an offer for $11 an hour and we thought we were rich. I remember when God became a mediator in my marriage early on when my wife and I were struggling. How he guided my entire family through one of the most difficult situations we've ever experienced. How he imparted wisdom and, and challenged me when I was so unqualified. How he kept secrets of my life and dealt with them in ways that I never deserved. How he brought people into my life that made me better every time he guided my steps when I was lacking clarity. How he blessed me with the sun when I wasn't expecting one. I remember because my past is full of evidence. Man. And that gives my future certainty and fullness to continue to move forward. We finish strong by having faith in a forever faithful God. You know, uh, Hebrew chapter 11 is known as the hall of fame of faith. And in Hebrew chapter 11, there's a list of people after people after people after people. And, and Moses, with his faith, did this. And Moses, with his faith, did that. And, 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 jo and Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And they all did this, 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 this and that. And Paul wraps up by saying, how much more do I need to say? He says pretty much, I would, it would take me too long to recount the stories of faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson. It is the only time in the New Testament, Samson is mentioned in Judges chapter 13 to 16. It is the only time in the New Testament where Samson is mentioned. He made it to the hall of fame of faith. Samson, yeah, the prostitute guy made it to the hall of fame of faith. One act, he finished strong. You know, I'm gonna leave you with this. Things, things in your life are not always gonna make sense. But when they don't, remember. Tell yourself the story again and again. Yeah, recycle the story. It's that powerful. It's full of evidence. You know, uh, Alistair McGrath said, faith is not belief without proof, but trust without reservation. Trust in a God who has shown himself worthy of that trust. With confidence in this room, full of people, I can say, God is trustworthy and he has been extremely good to you in your downs and in your ups, he is faithful and extremely good. You want a friend that's strong? Understand what you're fighting. Know who you are and remember who you serve. He has done more for you 
than you could ever think of. And he is faithful enough to help you finish strong. Bow your heads with me. Mm. Ah. I want to, um, I know this is one of those moments that, you know, could be a, a little bit difficult. And I, I'm sorry for, for taking a little longer. I just, you know, I had to, uh, I threw all this up on you. Um, I, I just feel like, you know, I, when I was praying about this, I, I felt like there was going to be some heaviness in the room. You know, and, and I felt like it, it was only right that I give people the opportunity to just kind of be reminded. You know, I got, Brian is going to be playing the piano. And I just, I just very quickly want to just make sure as we pray that that you're able to acknowledge and have the opportunity to say, God, remember me. You may, you may be in a position in your life where you don't realize that God has partially removed himself in, in one way or another, making, maybe allowing you to go through some struggles and, and you don't understand why the circumstances in your life have played out like they've played out. Listen, it's not about guilt and shame. It's about truth and freedom. It's about allowing God to maybe recover what's lost. To give you a good starting point. For your life to be in a place where you're able to say, God, confidently, I'm going to win. God has given us the victory. The enemy's plan for your life could be broad. It could be detailed, specific, to the core. There's no ground for it if you don't allow it for it. God can do something amazing in your life today. And I want you to have the opportunity. First of all, I want to ask you, as we get all our heads bowed, eyes closed, I'm not doing any tricks up here. I want to give you the opportunity, if you, if you don't have a relationship with this saving, loving grace of God, if, if you've never recognized Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to enter into a relationship with Him. I don't know you. I don't know how long you've been a believer. How it, It's okay. As we got all our heads bowed and closed in the room, if you would like to give your life to Christ this morning and accept Him as your Savior, I would ask that you would look up and look at me right where you're at. not going to make you come up here make an acknowledgement of your faith to say God here I am I want things to be different I want you to step into my life I want you to change me I don't know what this guy's been talking about the whole time but my heart's been moved and I want things to be different if that's not the case I want to give you an opportunity to just allow God more room in your life I want you as we pray. Maybe you're the person that kind of drifted away a little bit. You're in a bad place today and you say, God, reel me back in. I need you. If you are that person, look at me right now. I see you. I see you. 
I see you. I see you. There's heaviness in the room. And I know a powerful God that if we just only remember all the goodness and the great things that he did and he has done and what he's capable of doing in the future. Wow. Man, if it wasn't for my past, I wouldn't be who I am today. And that'll be the case for the rest of my life. I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna do a prayer. Those of you who looked at me, believe in your heart. We're not changed by the promises we make to God. We're changed by the promises he makes to us. So today you make a commitment and God reinforces his promise in your life. Amen? We fully believe that. So as we pray together, intercede for your life and the people around you, the people you know, and just pour out to God this morning to allow him to not just be savior, but be Lord of your life once and for all. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. Lord, we know that the enemy has a broad plan for our lives. But Lord, we acknowledge who we are in you. We are your children. We have been set apart for something special, God. And we pray that our desire would be to walk in that at all times, to not let the busyness of this world drive us and move us, but instead, God, let you be the guide, the light, the purpose in our lives. Heavenly Father, we remember you today in everything that you have done. Your faithfulness is incomprehensible. We can't begin to understand how faithful you have been, God. But I pray for those individuals in the room that have sort of reconciled their lives with you by saying, God, I kind of drifted away a little bit. I may be in a position like Samson. I pray that you would reel them back. As Samson prayed, Lord, remember them. Because I know you haven't gone far. Shelly said it in the song, we're, we're only a, an arm's length away from you, God. You haven't gone anywhere. The Bible says that you whisper to us, which means that you're close. So Lord, help us to acknowledge you in our lives and in every way, walk according to your will. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing and your presence this morning, Holy Spirit. Change lives and do amazing things. We give you glory. In your name we pray, amen.